team and uh, certainly appreciate everybody helping uh, yesterday and, and Brother Samuel Stark uh, has been extremely helpful to me this week. Uh, there were several days I dropped by and got him and he helped me to do uh, several projects around the church and I appreciate his, his help. I did not bring my timer on purpose, so I will try to be mindful of the of the time. Uh, but I do feel a burden this morning for this verse, Luke chapter seventeen and verse thirty-two. The Bible says these words: "Remember Lot's wife." Remember. Lot's wife. Now, whether you are aware of it or not, I want to make you aware of it. You have just heard the audible voice of God in this sanctuary. Jesus has just spoken. This is his word. I am a human preacher. But this is a supernatural word, and you have just heard the voice of God. And I want to elevate and do everything I can to elevate Scripture in your eyes. Because it literally is the voice of God. Let's ask the Lord to touch us here this morning. Lord, I am thankful for your goodness. I'm thankful, Lord, for your blessings. I'm thankful, Lord, for the way that this entire service, Lord, that you have stimulated my mind and my heart and my spirit. I'm thankful, Lord, for the inspiration that even, Lord, the anointing that I have felt, Lord, while I have prayed, while I have sang. And I ask you, Lord, today that for the next, Lord, few minutes that you take these words convict our hearts help us Lord to make you the main priority of our lives in Jesus name we pray amen amen you may be seated if you take a look at a calendar and you start turning through that calendar Page by page, there are generally uh, dates that will come out to you, and you will notice that those dates are set aside for various days. George Washington's birthday, Abraham Lincoln's birthday, Martin Luther King, his birthday, Columbus Day, Veterans Day. Independence Day, various other dates that you see that are observed there as holidays. There's other holidays that we look at throughout the year and it creates or it's supposed to create some form of of memory or I guess you would say even reverence uh, for our nation. Uh, Independence Day, obviously Memorial Day would be that part where that we look at 
that this is indeed a time for us to look back and to remember something that has taken place in our nation. Furthermore, you look around and there are various cities uh, throughout the United States that they have various monuments, uh, they have various statues that are up, and a lot of times these are uh, war heroes. In some places they are even uh, medical heroes, and even in our state, if you go to Tuscaloosa, there's a collection of football coaches that they have at Tuscaloosa. And so whenever you start looking at that, you understand that men's lives are preserved in biography by some of the things that they did and some of the things that they have accomplished. Because of those lives of those men in secular history are, are important to us and summer is on the way and I always encourage our young men and young women as the schools in and, and they are out for the summer uh, to invest some of that time in reading uh, biographies, reading books that's going to stimulate and stretch uh, their minds. Recently, Hannah Worley uh, had to write a term paper for uh, her English class, and so she sent me an email and asked about some resources of Anton and Scalia, uh, former Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. And I recommended a couple of biographies to her and she read those, and then after she wrote the paper, she sent that paper to me. And I, I would uh, want to tell Hannah publicly, I've told her privately, but I'm going to say it publicly, uh, she did a very good job writing uh, that, that paper for that class that she was taking. And you learn things whenever you visit history. I wonder today if there would be something about us that we would perhaps visit even the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, Nathan, Elijah, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, so on. We even could look toward the martyrs, Stephen, and even toward some of the apostles and realize that there are things that, that we ought to remember about those people. But this verse that I read to you here this morning, it's the only person that Jesus told his disciples and by virtue of his word, it's the only character that the Lord told us to remember in the Gospels. Now that's pretty astounding. He didn't tell us to remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He didn't tell us to remember any of the prophets, but he told us that we should remember Lot's wife. The reason that that is again so startling to me is because she is the only person that Jesus pinpointed and said it's important that you lock this person in to your memory. 
Whenever you start looking back, you begin to remember things about the lives of of people and invariably there are historical associations that you begin to make about those individuals as, as your mind filters through because most great people, they are defined and they are remembered by some great accomplishment that took place in their lives or it could be because there's a set of circumstances that they have been forced to deal with in uh, their lives. Stephen Ambrose is a uh, passed on now, but he's a very prolific writer when it came uh, to World War II history. And he wrote several biographies about men that were involved in World War II. He wrote one about Eisenhower and uh, he wrote about the stories of some uh, D-Day, the citizen soldiers. Uh, even wrote, wrote one called uh, Crazy Horse and Custer. And, and you start reading those books and there's something about Ambrose that whenever he begins to write, he pulls you back in to the time because he visited those sites where that he was writing about that. And in reality to that that biography, a lot of times it's more than than just their birthplace. It's more than just uh, what date they were born or what good works that they found themselves to be involved in because they there is something about it that all of us here today that we are living a life that ultimately is going to become a biography. It's doubtful that our lives are gonna be told and, and that any of us are gonna reach the bestseller list. Maybe you will, but it's not very likely. But all of us here today, you are spending your life on something. Every one of us, you are, you are spending your time and, and that time that you spend is going to define who and what you are. But whenever we get to Lot's wife, it appears that, uh, the, that Moses, whenever he writes, and if you want to turn in your Bibles back to Genesis 19, I will point out a few scriptures there here in uh, just a moment. But as you look at her life, there is no birth, there is no past history, uh, there is really nothing about her existence that we are given by the word at all. In fact, we don't even know what her name is. The Bible tells us who Abraham's wife was. Uh, he had a brother by the name of Nahor. We know who his wife was, but Lot, the nephew of Abraham and of Nahor, neither one or uh, those lives, those wives are identified, but when Lot comes along, that nephew, we don't know what Lot's wife what her name was. She makes her appearance in Genesis 19 and it's just kind of an appearance that she appears once and then uh, she she's kind of written off in history until several centuries later the Lord comes along and pulls her out almost of obscurity and tells us that we are to remember Lot's wife. Her, her life fills the category and yet looking in your Bibles there in Genesis 19 and verse 12, the Bible says it like this, and the men said unto Lot, 
Uh, have you anybody here besides your son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and, and whatever you have in the city? Bring them out of this place. These are angels that are speaking to Lot, and they don't even mention his wife. They cover uh, all grounds except she is not mentioned there. And I know that some of you men could probably veer off in a sarcastic direction. That's perhaps our sin that we could say there may be a reason that she was not named. Be careful with those sorts of stray thoughts getting into your not into your life. But but she appears for the first and the last time, and there is such a vivid picture of their hurried run as they are trying to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. While Lot can't seem to make up his mind, he, he is lingering. That's what the Bible says. Look in verse 16 there. It says, while he lingered, while he hesitated, while he tried to make up his mind, while all of the foot dragging was taking place, Moses writes in Genesis, he says, and while he lingered, the men, they literally put their hand on his hand. They got him by the hand and they got the hand of his wife and the hand of those two daughters and the Lord being merciful unto him and they brought him forth and set him without the city. It was almost like physically that they were removing Lot and his family out of that treacherous place called Sodom. Look in verse 17, and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said he escaped for your life and do not look behind you neither stay thou in all the plain you escape to the mountain unless you would be consumed that is half of the history that you find about Lot's wife there in our in in your Bible, in my Bible, with Lot's wife, there, there's no further details that are given to us in Genesis except the other half of her history is there in verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Here is the way that you could sum up Lot's wife. Lot's wife, she has no beginning, she has no middle time, but she has a terribly fearful end to her life. There will be a lot of people in the judgment that that will be their epitaph. No real beginning, no real middle time of life, but a terribly fearful end. And I'm afraid that our world today is losing sight of the judgment of God that is waiting on every single one of us whenever we take our last breath. There on the roadside leading to Zoar, the Bible tells us is a pillar of salt. And there's even some that whenever you travel now to the land of Israel, that they there's a, there's a large pillar of salt that over the time that it is collected as the sand is blown. There's other collection that salt has come to stick and there is a small column there that they have identified and said this is where Lot's 
wife, this is her grave, this is her tomb, this is her crypt where that she is at. I want to tell you this morning that there's three lessons that comes out to me whenever I observe Lot's wife. First of all is this, is she was almost saved. Almost. She was almost saved. Now imagine with me this morning the warning that has come to her life and she responded to it. It's not like she said, oh no, I'm not. I'm gonna stay behind. The, the Bible doesn't tell us that. It says that she literally was on her way out of there and yet here is the pattern of her life. There was the security of a home and yet in that home there was a great warning that a it came to her of approaching danger and then miraculous deliverance and she gets underway and she started her journey out of that place and she was almost saved. That pattern has been played out so many times and and you, you, you can't even begin to number it. People come in and they get into the church. There's words of warning that comes to them. There, whatever it may be, it may be that the Lord is coming back or that, that you need the Holy Ghost and the scripture that has been uh, dwelling in my mind for the last several weeks and I may do something with it in our Wednesday night Bible studies, Ephesians 4, 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God that, that you have that in your mind and I wonder how many times that there are people that have been in this church in Dothan, Alabama that, that they started and they came along and, and you, they heard the words leave this world behind come and be converted today come and be baptized today is the day of salvation or a thousand other variations of those phrases and and that was Lot's wife. Lot's wife, she's escaping. She's leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. She's walking behind and, and she's got it in her rear view mirror. It's almost like that if she would have never left Sodom and Gomorrah, then she would have just been a suicidal victim of her own unbelief. But the Bible tells us that she started her way out of that. And for that, the Lord tells us to remember Lot's wife. I, uh, I guess I have, I don't have any, I've got one gun. I don't have any fishing rods. I just got, just got a pickup truck for the first time in my entire life and I don't even know about mudding and getting it dirty like some of you other gentlemen in here. And So I'm just going to make sure I'm going to ride around in mine. It's going to say pretty and clean and it's not going to have brush marks and all that sort of stuff on it, okay? But I don't have a whole lot to say in my life. I do have a sizable library. 6,000 books and growing and, and I don't know where we're going to put them but I, it's growing, okay? And, 
and, uh, and yet there's times whenever I pick a book and pull it down from the shelf and I associate that book with a memory. And uh, this past week, I've been burdened Monday and Tuesday and was just uh, some of my own private times of devotion and prayer. And I pulled down a book called Dangerous Calling by Paul Tripp. I read that book. It was printed, I think, in 2009 or 2012. And I read that book, and, and during that year, I, I got uh, Brother Terry shocked. Uh, contacted me because frequently they would call me and ask me, do you have any books that we might want to put on the Because of the Times recommended uh, list? And so I, that year I recommended uh, that book, Dangerous Calling by Paul Tripp. I pulled that book down uh, the other day and I started reading through that book and it's been probably five or six years since I've read that book. And again, it had a frightening impact on me and I, I sat down and I wrote Brother Shock a letter after I read that book and I started going through rehearsing in my mind not saints but preachers that have backslidden for various reasons in their life successful ministries ministries that far have outpaced and outrun what I have tried to do here in Dothan. And I looked at that list and I said, oh dear God, please don't let me fall into some trap and some calamity as I move forward in this that I have got to be saved. That's the most important thing in my life is that I make it to heaven. If I'm crawling in there, that don't matter. If I go in there and I am full charge, that's gonna be awesome, but I got a feeling that whenever I get there, it's gonna be itching over the line and it's gonna be the grace of God that's gonna draw me in and that's gonna save me. But listen to me, church, here today. Those men, whenever I looked at their lives and looked at their gifts, I thought, Oh, they had everything that I wanted. I wanted what some of those men had. And now I look back in retrospect and I thank God for the grace that he said, you're not going anywhere, Philip. You're staying right here in Dothan. I'm not gonna let you out of here. I'm gonna keep you here because I'm gonna save you and save your family. That's the goal of your life is that you are saved. Amen. And so here it is. She was almost saved. We can sometimes fall into that trap, something about our society. It promotes its own salvation. What does that look like? A steady job, a paycheck, vehicles in the, in the driveway, a place where you can pay your electricity bill. I go to church. I don't say bad words. I put my buggy back in the receptacle at Walmart when I go out there so it don't bump in to somebody else's somebody else this car. I get to church on time, Brother Harrelson, Brother Patterson. I, 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 don't, I don't do bad stuff. I love my wife. I don't talk bad about her. I don't talk about how bad my kids are. I, I just, you see what I'm saying? Amen. That's called the gospel of morality. 
Listen to me, the gospel of morality is not gonna save you. When you get to heaven, the Lord's not gonna wanna know is all your bills paid up. Now, we ought to do that. But the Lord's not gonna wanna know all that. He's gonna wanna know what is your relationship that you had with the cross and what is he doing in your life? What does your prayer life look like, Philip? What does your understanding of the word look like, Philip? How many times have you witnessed, Philip? And I have to tell you, since I've started here at the church full time, my witnessing window is tight now. And so when I see people walking by, they're fair game. And I'm telling you, baby, there was two of them yesterday that were fair game. And this elderly woman come across and this younger woman come over. And I got out of the car and I walked over there and I said, hey, how y'all doing? And invited them to church. (coughs) And just so happens... That lady, she looked at me, she said, what about Brother Patterson? What's happened to this old church over here? I said, we outgrew it. We're over here. We're still trying to use the old building. And she said, well, my name is uh, Naomi uh, Dean. And I, and I, I said, my, my name's Philip Harrelson. She said, well, what about Teresa? I said, how do you know them? And she, I said, I married Teresa. I said, she's, she's real good. See, I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> but anyway, she, she said, you, you might know Mike, and I knew she knew Brother Patterson, she knew Sister Patterson. She said, you probably knew my name from somebody else. And I said, well, who, who is that? She said, from my, my maiden name was Naomi Shellhouse. I liked it. I was thunderstruck because on Saturday mornings, 45 years ago, Maybe more. Saturday mornings on South Apple Tree, my mother would go and she would see the Shell House mother. And I told Naomi yesterday, I said, Naomi, you need to come to church. I said, there are some elders that are around there that would remember you from that day. I don't know how I got off on that wit. Oh, yeah, how is it the Lord? What does my witnessing look like? I want to tell you, church, you got to talk. You got to open your mouth up. You've got to talk to people. The Lord wants to use us as witnesses, and we can't be dumb mutes. We can't be, we can't be. Now I'm gonna tell you this, sometimes your witnessing may not be the most successful in the world. Charlie Joyner was the only one that I managed to get out of the hospital. But but listen, church, witness to me or witness to those that are around you because here's where it's at. True conversion means that you have gotten onto a road of salvation and it is important that you are not lost. When the old pulpit master said it like this, he said, He told a parable about a high mountain, had a big palace at the top of it. It was filled with all manner of treasure and gold and jewels and and they started going up the mountain and as they got up the mountain, there, there were voices that were calling to them from the side and from behind them and the goal was, was to get them to turn around and go back 
to where they had started. That's the goal of this world is as you are leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, there are voices that are calling to you and sometimes they are not inherently evil voices. They can be good voices, but what are they doing? They're calling you off of your goal. And so the first thing that I see with Lot's wife is that she was almost saved. But the second lesson that I find, I've got three of them and I will hurry through the last two. The second lesson is this, is that she was almost saved, but she perished. And you say, well, what, what's the difference? She was almost saved, That's, but how can she be almost saved, but, but she perished? Think about this with me. That if you were out two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever that oil platform toppled and bumped into that boat out there and knocked those men out in the water, I don't know if those men had life vests or not, but but there were men that they drowned. They still have not found their bodies off the coast of Louisiana. They perished out there. Now think with me for a moment if there was somebody that was fishing on Lake Eufaula and he was out there in a nice bass boat and he refused to put on his life jacket and he's knocked over the side. He loses his footing while he's trying to reel in one of those trophy bass and he trips and he falls over into the water and he drowns and his life vest was within eight feet of him. That, that is almost saved, but perished. There, there, there are people right now that you are sitting on the chairs of this church here and you are lost. You're lost. You have not experienced a new birth. You, you are not walking a path of holiness. There's some that have never been converted and there are some that have been born again, but you are lukewarm and you are backslidden. You're here today. There's a life vest. There's praying saints. There's a preacher that's been for you to turn your life around here today. That's Lot's wife and that's what Jesus said to us. Remember Lot's wife. It would be, it would be horrific, horrific if I as a pastor, as a preacher, that got to some point in my life and some temptation, some offense, some aggravation got into my life and I slipped and I fell at 54 years old and walked away. And you think, oh my Lord, that, that couldn't happen. That happens. It happens. People get bitter with life. They get upset with things and they walk away. And so here it was with Lot's wife. She was almost saved, but she perished. The last lesson is this. Her life is a warning. 
They're atheists that they exalt in the idea and they say this never happened. There's no way that this thing could happen. Draw your attention in with me just a moment. I know our kids are coming in, but just, just focus in on me for just a minute. Okay? But if there are, there are atheists, they mock this. They, they laugh. They say there, there's no way, there's no way that that incident happened. And yet, what was it that caused Jesus to say? Well, Matt, Luke 20, 17, 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And even thus shall it be in the day that when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he shall, one shall be upon the housetop and his stuff is going to be in the house. Don't, don't let him come down to take it away. And he that's in the field, let him likewise not come back. And then what did Jesus say? Remember Lot's wife. There, there's something about false security. This church was closed this time a year ago. We, we were, y'all were watching online there were 10 or 15 of us that were here. There was all of a sudden this heightened, aware, the Lord is coming back. But now everything's somewhat getting back to normal and, and it won't be long before they'll do away with the mask business and the vaccines will disappear. But here's what I'm afraid, church, that we're, there are things that are taking place right now that are being settled and moved into position and the church cannot afford to come to the place and say, hey, it's just gonna be normal again. You got to remember Lot's wife. It is crucial that you are saved. I'll deal with it another time, Brother Patterson. I'll pray through next Sunday night, Brother Patterson. I'm gonna start reading my Bible tomorrow. I'm gonna start really stepping forward tomorrow. But Jesus, Jesus didn't say remember her tomorrow. He said remember her in the present. Remember Lot's wife. I want us to stand here this morning. <clears throat> Sometimes I wonder... Well, what's, what's the value of a well-organized, well-managed, well-programmed church? What, what, what's, what's the value of that? There's times where I think, man, if we were just organized and we were just, you know, things were just clicking along and moving in this direction, etc., that we would we'd get there. But we're not building a business. We're building the church. And you don't build spiritual businesses 
You don't build spiritual churches with business principles. You build them when a preacher gets up in a pulpit and takes three words and tells you to remember Lot's wife. Because what that does is that causes your mind to start unfolding what's happened in the last week, what's happened in the last month, in the last year. And then you start seeing the necessity of remembering. Why did the Lord want us to remember? So it would draw us into a place of repentance. And that's what I'm doing this morning with these altars. I'm opening these altars up so you can step out from where you're at. And you can make your way and you can begin to repent. What kind of sins have you been interacting with in the last week? What kind of people have you been interacting that's trying to pull you away? That's trying to draw you away from the church? The 